Welcome to the Align Podcast, a space for personal growth, transformation, and inner liberation to take place. This is the best spot on the internet to tap into limitless purpose, pleasure, and power in a world of play. Hosted by yours truly, Maria Felicia. Here we are. Hi, Chrissy. Welcome to the Align Podcast. That's the name of my podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for going the extra mile and being with me today as we talk about all of the things related to you, your work, your passion, and your love for this kind of work. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> So grateful. Um, well, first of all, for the people who are hearing about you for the first time, I encountered Chrissy because I just finished my spiral practitioner training and I came across her as one of the advanced spiral practitioners across her page. Someone, a mutual friend of ours, shared a post about her and I was really intrigued because. The way that she presents herself to the world resonates with me on such a deep level. It's so difficult to put it into words as I was telling her. And what I love about Chrissy is really her approach to life of like taking things less seriously and just being herself and being really authentic. And I'm really excited to hear more about that, Chrissy, from where that came from today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, where, where do you, where would you like me to begin? <laughs> well, I love the, the fact that you started your podcast with an episode around curiosity. Mm. So I'm really just coming from this place of curiosity right now as someone who is seeing like the you that you present yourself on social media as and seeing you and meeting you in person. I mean, over Zoom at least, it's like you're just one person. Some people have different personas for their social media accounts. And the thing that really got me so intrigued about you is how you present yourself in a very authentic way. There is no gap between who you are with us or who you are with the rest of the world. It's really just you. So what do you think was the key that led to your authenticity what was something that really moved you to start doing that work oh that's a great question um so what's coming up for me is as you were talking the the phrase that was coming up is it's as life has gone on for me it's become more and more painful to be inauthentic and one of the things that I noticed about myself when I was first coming into the online space and offering conversation, like the first time I clicked live on Facebook and I was like, oh my gosh, there's no editing. There's no, you know, I can't go back. It, it is what it is. What I started to recognize is that the more I tried to present myself a certain way, um, all, like alternative to what I was feeling and the nuance that I was feeling, the more shut down my body became. And what I've learned very quickly is that in order for me to speak at all, to have a coherent conversation, I had to be willing to name all of the different layers that were present in my system, all of the different layers of me. And that became my practice of showing up live and sharing all the different things that I was feeling, uh, sharing the nervousness, sharing the part of me that wanted to, to be seen as competent or to look really good and, and just leading with that honesty. And the more I led with that honesty, the more comfortable I felt in my own skin and the more expressive I felt I could be because I wasn't trying to micromanage and edit myself while I was offering a transmission or staying in conversation. So for me, it ended up being the most efficient, effective, and natural way to show up. I love that. I admire you for always being so embodied with who you are. I think 
when when I met you for the first time and you were just sitting there, it's like you didn't even need the words to present yourself and let me know that you know energy speaks louder than words. I truly believe that. So I'm really I'm really happy that you're sharing this with so many people who would be listening to this in the future and knowing more about you. Um, there's so much to talk about, but I would also feel like they would want to know, how did you get into the inner work space? How did you start that whole healing journey? Yeah. yeah. So I have always been a very curious child and I've always, always pondered death pondered and death. the meaning of life, even from, you know, like really young, I was always just was in the question wow. of like, what am I here for? What is my purpose? Like, what is, what is this mystery that we live in? And I was also raised religiously. I came from a Catholic background. So there was a lot of that convert, like existential conversation in my household. Um, but I had, I had my resistance to certain elements of it. So when I went off to college, I started exploring Buddhism and just other paths, other schools of spirituality and schools of thought. And I started to just experiment with different pillars, philosophies, and try them on and see what felt good. And so I was always in the question. Um, I knew from an early age that I wanted to get into psychology. I wanted to study that. I wanted to study the way the brain worked. I came from, as most of us do, a household where communication could have been better, where I could have felt more seen. I, you know, I... I didn't have a terrible childhood by any stretch, but I definitely had moments that made me feel as though I'm here to offer a better way of being to other people. And first I had to understand why people um, struggled to communicate, what made people tick, what are better ways of doing this. And so that was why I went into psychology. And then eventually I went into social work because I wanted to work one-on-one -on -one with people. I really wanted to, I've always loved, I've always felt most effective in one-to-one -one spaces where I can really dive deep into another person and, and get curious with them and really focus my attention. So, yeah, I, I did a lot of like formal study in my early twenties. And then eventually I started signing up for other programs that were not part of the traditional schooling route where I would yeah. learn like the spiral, which is a, a very deep emotional clearing energy practice. And, and I also did a lot of embodiment trainings and a lot of workshops and leadership mm -hmm. things. And, and so I really was always throwing myself into the depths of something that made me really nervous and uncomfortable for the sake of expanding my capacity to hold that within myself and for other people. Um, so that's just something I've always known. It's just been with me my whole life. And I've just always followed that thread of curiosity. I think curiosity for me is the key. It's like I was curious about communication and I was curious about connection and I was curious about uh, how to just feel good in this body and feel creative in this body. So I was just always in some sort of studying process with that. <laughs> Ah, that sounds amazing. It sounds like you had such a childhood that allowed you to explore. Like as a kid, you were already assured that this is something you wanted in the long run. It's something that you envisioned for yourself. Um, and I would love to know, since all of that sounded a lot like it was coming from this inner child magic inside of you, how do you cultivate your relationship to your inner child now as an adult? Yeah, so yeah, that so is something I, I lost I touch lost with in college. college. A part of my personality or part of, of a layer of me always wanted to be seen as competent. And so she really threw herself into study. She really threw herself into intellectualizing everything. And the more I would intellectualize things, the less in my body I would be. And so there was a rigidity about me, especially in the personal mm. development work I was doing. A lot of it was pulling me away from my inner child and into more cognitive, heady realms where I mm -hmm. felt really rigid. 
Um, so, mm. so it really opened up for me in one particular program I was doing where we were exploring the theme of creativity in the inner child. And I just started asking myself, what did my inner child, what did I love to do when I was younger or what, what evoked a sense of curiosity within me? And a lot of it was nature-based. It was like going outside, looking at the trees, looking at the leaves, <laughs> playing with bubbles, um, moving my body, singing, dancing, painting, all of those things. So creativity really was my my th like the threshold that I crossed to step deeper towards my inner child. So I feel like creativity and the inner, like the inner artist and the inner child are very, very much connected. And I also want to make the distinction that like when I speak about the inner child, there's many layers to that, but there are two archetypes that I, I use that come from the book. Um, I think the book is called homecoming and I, I, I wish I had the author's name at the tip of my tongue, but I don't, but it's called homecoming. And he uses mm -hmm. the two archetypes of the wonder child and the wounded child. And so the, like when I'm talking about the inner child right now, I'm talking about the wonder child, like the part of me that she was born innately curious. She was born innately innocent. She was born innately creative and she just wants to explore and express and, and play. And then the, so inevitably in order to connect with her, I had to also connect with my inner wounded child, which are all the layers of me that felt unsafe in playing that felt unsafe to explore that felt unseen. And so I did a lot of work lot of uh, in conversation with myself, getting curious about, well, what did I need to hear as a child that I'm still craving to hear right now from people, whether it's my partner or my parents or friends, or mm -hmm. I mean, plot twist, it's myself that needed to say those things. So I got practiced at saying those things to myself. And the more I started to nurture my inner uh, wounded child, the more my wonder child felt safe to play, the more I felt like, Oh yeah, I can take oh, up yeah. space because I'm holding, mm -hmm. I'm holding myself now in my resistance. And so the more I tended to my resistance, the more space I had to be silly and expressive and creative. Right, right. Ooh, they seem to be frozen a little. Oh, there we are. <laughs> ah. Well, I love hearing that, particularly the part about you were telling your inner child that it's okay to take up space, that they're being seen and heard and recognized. And I really believe that there is actually a duality to lots of things. And one way to work through that is to recognize that in order for us to bring out the wonder child, there is also an acknowledgement of the wounded child. And inner child work is always so heavy sometimes that it's difficult to navigate that and I admire you because you're one of the people I see who was actually an embodiment of that working on that and being with people to help bring out their inner child which is something that I feel like the world needs more often <laughs> yeah yeah and I love that you spoke to the to the like contrast the duality because a lot of people are surprised by it I just held a breathwork ceremony last week where the theme was tapping into our creativity and a few of the women there said well actually what came up for me was sadness I didn't feel creativity when I connected to that smaller part of me I just felt grief and that is the, the very often the what happens, what occurs when we're connecting to creativity in these higher states is that we first must acknowledge the parts of us that just don't feel safe in those spaces or feel like they never had a chance to touch that as a child. Like maybe they had to caretake their siblings or their parents, or maybe they were told like that stuff is frivolous and obnoxious. And so there's a lot of pain around the concepts of play in many of our systems and our bodies. So there is a, a process of allowing ourselves to grieve and allowing ourselves to hold those parts and, and, and not feeling like, gosh, there must be something wrong with me, or I must be doing this breathwork session wrong. If I'm not feeling creativity, it's like, no, no, what's coming up is exactly what's supposed to come up for healing. I love that. I really do. And it's really a lot of work because as you've said, with 
working working with higher seats requires us to go through the tough icky emotions right at the bottom right to move higher to move to the top and it also requires a ton of self-compassion really like you don't know how much how much self-talk is infused in our subconscious minds that's actually bringing us down all the time even when we're not aware of it and so um when was the first time that you realized you actually wanted to change something about yourself the way that you talk to yourself the way that you treat yourself oh wow (sighs) i have to sit with that for a second Hmm. so if, so I'll share like the bigger, like the big moment for me, because I feel like that curiosity or that knowing of like, Ooh, there could be, there could be more here for me to explore was always there. But there was a moment when I was, uh, just recently engaged and my partner went away for two weeks. Um, and I was just sitting with how codependent I felt, how needy I felt, how alone I felt. And it was at that point that I realized I was doing in this relationship what I had done in previous relationships, which is pouring all of myself into the dynamic and ignoring my need for individuation, meaning like ignoring my need to have interests and pursue support outside of my romantic, yeah, my romantic partnership. So it was in that moment that I was like, oh, Chrissy, you need to put your money where your, your mouth is because you're talking about wanting support and investing in personal development, but you really aren't spending a lot of money on it at all. And you really don't have any containers to go to outside of your partnership. You don't have a coach. You don't have anything right now. And it was like that same day, I got an email from a woman who I'd been following. Uh, Alex, her name is Alexi Panos. And she was opening up a membership portal. And it was at that moment that I was like, oh, this is for me. This is what I'm supposed to do. And that's, that was really the point where everything started to shift a lot faster because I was in full integrity there. I decided this is for me, not for my partner. Like I'm really doing this for me. Uh, And I was connected to so many beautiful people. And that's really also what spurred my shift into the coaching industry and then just doing energy work. I didn't really think that was possible for me because I didn't know anybody in my life that was doing it personally. Mm-hmm. until I joined this membership program and, and it was full of people that were going off and, and stepping out into coaching. So that having community that was that I was investing in created social proof. It created intimacy outside of my partnership. I call it like diversifying my intimacy portfolio. And, it, and that changed the, <laughs> changed the game for me. I love the idea of having an intimacy portfolio because (laughs) everyone's always thinking about their investments towards their wealth, their health, all of that. But when, when it comes to our relationship with ourselves and the space we're cultivating around it, right? It's so easy to get caught up into what everyone else is doing, to get caught up into their lives, especially if you have partners. So I was really wanting to ask you this question earlier. How do you think that level of inner work has helped your relationship to be what it is right now? Yeah, I think it would be a hot mess without it. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah like it's been everything it's allowed me to really reparent myself around these codependent patterns in a way that's been really supportive it's allowed me to step into deeper sovereignty to allow my partner space to, to be in his own process allow my partner space to be his own person Um, it's released a lot of fear I was holding in my body around abandonment. Now, of course, all of that stuff still comes up for me, but I, I have more resources and more tools to navigate it. Whereas before I just felt like I was all alone and it was like, I was carrying the burden of everything on my shoulders. And, and so there's a levity, there's a lightness that this work for me has brought into the relationship. It's brought a lot of play into the relationship. It's brought a lot of compassion into the relationship, 
Um, and, and just, again, giving me the tools to have the deeper convert, like the challenging conversations that for most of my life, I just wasn't having, I was just avoiding challenging conversations. And again, I still do. Like, I still have parts of me that are like, we're going to let this slide for three days, you know, and let the resentment build. And, but then I can catch that, you know, and I can name it and I can laugh about it and I can bring myself back to presence and back to openness. So it's been really, really helpful. I love that piece, particularly on allowing yourself to be resentful, because I feel like so many people just don't when they feel like, oh, I shouldn't feel bad anymore because I understand the problem, right? Right. (laughs) That's like the crux of my work and my practice is allowing. That word allowing has changed everything Mm -hmm. for me. The more I can allow what is to just be, the less resistance I have to it, the more capacity I have to move it through my system, to express it, to offer it what it needs um, for, for a much more organic healing. Whereas in the past, when I, when I would get into those spirals of like, I shouldn't be feeling this way or resisting my resistance, which again, I still do. Um, but I would do it for much longer periods. And then I would go into these long ca- like caverns and caves of self-sabotage where I just wasn't mm-hmm. taking care of myself at all. Cause I, I felt broken. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Particularly with people who are doing this spiritual work and inner work on themselves. It's like, you suddenly have a standard for how you want to feel. And I see so many people doing this and I've been caught up in that as well, where I'm just like, I can't feel this way because I already know better about myself. I know how to move through it. And the, and the worst part is sometimes we force ourselves to process it so quickly that it's just, it doesn't have space anymore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love what you said about just allowing what is to be what it is right there and just sitting with it for a while and letting yourself really move through it and feel it because not many people can feel things right now. Everyone's either numbing themselves or ignoring things or getting into the mess of things without allowing themselves to like sit back and just feel it. Yeah. Well, it's super scary. You know, it was super scary. Still can be for me. Really what changed everything in that regard is getting into embodiment work and, and learning tools to move energy through my body and also not just learning the tools but allowing myself to be guided by people because sometimes I just won't do it for myself and so having a person who feels safe on the other side to say hey like it's okay to cry or let's scream together or let's shake our body let's make weird noises together like I just need to do that with people even just a few times honestly it, it didn't take a lot of repetition for me to be like, this is everything. Like, this is so important. And to recognize that that's what I need more of the time is to breathe, to make weird noises, to shake, to dance, to sing, to, to do things that direct, like with my body that get me deeper into my body and and learning that it's a safe place to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, I felt all of that so deeply particularly the piece on embodiment because we tend to focus on like so much mindset knowledge and all of that but unless the wisdom really settles into the body and we form like a deeper connection with it it's not really going to land until it does so you're in that experience where it really has to um so thank you thank you so much for sharing that Chrissy So I was feeling called earlier. There's this question tugging in the back of my mind around, "Mm, I think I saw this in our mutual space, our connections. They were talking about if someone, if your partner, someone you're interested in is not doing the inner work, how do you continue navigating that relationship? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're touching on a personal nerve right now. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I've been directly sitting in no that. Idea. Yeah, I've been I've been sitting in that question. Yeah, because my my partner has done a lot of work with me, and we've we've dove into a lot of different containers together, but always on my in, invitation. And so, and so I've been sitting with okay, how do I hold him in his in the capacity for his potential without pushing him, without nagging him, without making him wrong. And so what a great question to ask, because I've literally been, I'm on the tail end of a trigger with that, with my own process with that. So funny you ask me, because now I get to sit with that. Just be honest, right? Um, It's hard for me. It can be really hard. Um, And what I was sharing with, again, I was sitting in session with somebody else who was guiding me, and that was really supportive just to have somebody mirroring back what was going on for me. Because uh, I was able to touch on this um, this wisdom piece that has always brought us deeper into connection and deeper into intimacy. And that is, instead of speaking to the, uh, like what he's not doing or like my, like how, how he, I think, he, you know, his behavior is affecting me. Um, I speak to my longings and I speak to um, what I know to be true for us. I speak to the moments where we have had that deep connection. I speak to my belief in his capacity to hold himself. So I really take time to drop into when we did have deep connection and deep intimacy. And I share that with him. And I, and it's almost like I kind of call him like, Hey, I really care about him. Yeah. Yeah. Like remember this, like, remember your power, remember your strength. Remember that moment when you were connecting with yourself and you felt so like, you felt so grounded. You felt so strong. I was like, I, I crave this for both of us. I really want us to, to be, like a partnership for these places of connection. So yeah, I could be better. I could be way better at that, but that is what has always been supportive when I can tap into that part of me where I'm like, I'm coming from a place of love and I'm coming from a, the, the question of how, how good can it be? Because I have a part of me that is really, really good at catastrophizing. And she uses her imagination to conjure up the worst case scenario, which often leads to me not even having approaching the conversation when I'm feeling triggered because she just feels like, well, he's not going to hear me at all. So what's the point? You know, this is not going to go anywhere. So what's the point? You might as well not even do it. So I like to play with sitting at the question of like, what's the best case scenario? Like, what if he does hear me? What would that be like? And what if he does understand? And what if you do stay regulated? And what if you do experience deep intimacy on the other side of this? And so just starting to kind of balance the scales of imagination helps me come to a place of neutrality where I can be like, okay, I know what I stand for. I know what I desire. Um, and coming from that place only after I've really allowed myself to feel like the rage and the resentment in my body too. Cause yeah, yeah. Like I have, I, I can't always bring that into the space because it's not the appropriate container. It, it just, it, everything implodes, but bringing that to myself or bringing that to safe spaces where I can just release it. And I can then ask myself, what is my wounded child needing right now? Like, what is she feeling? And usually it's terror (laughs) or grief, like loss, abandonment. Um, And what does she need? What does she need first and foremost from me? And then what does she need from my partner? And, and speaking to the need as well, um, as well as speaking to his capacity to meet the need. So it's like, Hey, this is what I feel like she's needing. And I know you have the capacity to give her that. I know you have the capacity to meet me there. So what needs to happen between us for us to like meet in that place where we've met before. And it's so interesting as I'm saying this to you, I'm literally, I am, I am reparenting myself and I'm giving myself material for future conversations with him because the conversation I had with him a few days ago did not go like this, you know, like this is not exactly how I tried. I tried. Um, and I got dysregulated and my body shut down and, and we ended up having a, you know, a, a closing, um, where we came to a resolution and we, we felt heard by each other. But what I'm saying to you right now is like, wow, that would have been nice to have that yesterday. <laughs> two days ago. (laughs) 
So it's so funny. Like, this is why I podcast because when I talk to myself or when I talk to somebody else, I always hear whatever I need to hear, either whether it's out of my mouth or your mouth or get the messages. So good. (laughs) So good. I did not know that question was so relevant. Wow. Um, yeah, I felt like it really needed to ask that as well, because so many of the people I'm close with, people I work with, they, everybody wants love, everybody wants divine union in a sense that they feel like their partner is really meeting their needs and coming to coming to them from a place of love and just opening up. And it's like, so difficult if you come from, well, if you've had no real model of a healthy relationship growing up and I feel like that's the reality for a lot of us we're constantly looking for a way to find our experiences in other relationships and other people or partnerships that we can look up to but um coming to realize that now it's just it's a rare occurrence to have someone who's actually willing to work on that kind of union with you and holding your hand through it all just you know you don't have to completely understand each other or or hear about the wounds and automatically notice what's going on but I guess that sort of willingness and resonance and the capacity to hold each other in your fullness, particularly when you're feeling wounded, when you're feeling like there's so much to heal. I think that's the most important piece that I see around relationships. Very much so. And the other piece I want to drop in here too is what I'm learning and will maybe always be is the importance of offering myself what I'm craving for from him and just checking myself constantly. Like, where am I neglecting to offer myself intimacy and respect because I'm not getting, I feel like, I feel like I'm not getting it from my partner. Like, where am I waiting on him to fill the part of me that's craving my own attention? And where am I just, yeah. Where am I just using that absence from him to build a void and fill it with resentment? Cause that can happen really fast. Mm-hmm. So, and then that other piece that I shared about with investing in my own stuff, like investing in, in friendships with other women, invest, again, diversifying my intimacy portfolio, instead of putting all of my like relational energy into one basket, it's like, whoa, that for me was very dangerous. And so having intimate, like building intimate connections with other women and other men and investing in coaches and support systems, all of that has allowed me to be more objective about what's going on in my relationship and less like less likely to play out my, my like childhood wounds on this one person. Um, because I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not relying on him for everything, you know, to meet all of my emotional needs. I think that's the misconception that a lot of people think when it comes to relationships as well. I mean, I guess it's an, it's natural. If you love someone, you would be inclined to feel like they're fulfilling your every need. And when it stops or when it feels like there's a, there's a pause in your relationship, you're like, okay, what's happening? Nothing's happening. I need more. Um, but it's really one of the biggest lessons I learned as well that I feel called to share because um, one thing that I did learn is we can't really expect anyone, not even our friends, to fulfill our every need because I feel like that's also um, relevant when it comes to friendships, when we're thinking that this friend can show up for us for everything that we are and everything that we have to share with them. And it's actually not. It's like it's okay to have friends who will meet one need and then another friend who just goes out to party, let's say, or a friend who holds space for you or a friend who does all the shopping with you. It's like there's not one person on this planet that we can actually pour everything onto except for ourselves. I think that's the biggest piece. I would uh, agree. (laughs) (laughs) Fully. (laughs) fully that's that's a lot of what the inner child work is too it's getting really curious and clear on what what we need and learning that actually we can give it to ourselves and it's just as nourishing it's just as beautiful and of course we are tribal a tribal species so we do thrive and tribe and there is an importance and having people in our lives that we can lean on um 
and you know, and I'm all about paying for it if it's not available. Um, or I'm also about like using the internet and finding, like, if you don't have money to invest, like using the internet and finding people on YouTube that you admire, which I did for a while, just to, to be in their field, you know, just to like watch them and, and gather a reference point for like healthy modeling of, of intimacy. So it's out there, like wherever you are, there's, you, if you have access to the internet, you have access to, <laughs> to support, whether it's like through just inspiration or like, like what we're doing, like free podcasts like this too, you know, that's, that's another avenue for people who struggle with being able to invest, just listening. I had a woman message me, um, she's now a client, but she messaged me saying she was listening to my podcast for a year and it was really changing things for her because she was using a lot of the tools that I was sharing in the podcast. And so just things like that, like finding your people even if you're not talking to them directly, like just being careful about what you're consuming, you know, who you're listening to, what you're watching and be more intentional about the energy that you're um, consuming. Yeah. That's really helpful. And I agree the podcast is actually activating in a sense where I listen to one episode and I feel like I'm so clean and fresh and there's this new energy around me. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm very grateful for that work. Um, and I also wanted to talk about, um, while you were saying something around that lack, that feeling of not being able to invest or being in scarcity, and there's just so many resources out there, I feel like it applies to a lot of things because so often we believe that abundance is right outside of us. But actually, if you look around you and you look within, there is a way to find that one aspect of your life where there is just so much overflow that you can tap into and kind of pour it out onto the other aspects of your life. Would yeah. you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and what's coming up for me that feels personal and relevant is, is also like to acknowledge the part of us that just really loves being a victim that just really loves feeling small and feeling helpless. Cause there's, I, I think for many of us, most of us, there's that layer and that part of us has to be acknowledged and like, you know, held along the way. I can feel her in my body right now. Even as you're talking, I'm like, Ooh, I need to go to the mirror and just acknowledge, like, there's a part of me that just wants to check out of life right now. And that's okay. There's a part of me that doesn't want to tap into my resources and that's okay. There's a part of me that doesn't want to engage with humanity and that's okay. And, and bringing, and bringing this okayness to these, these layers of us that are in resistance, I find then frees up all of the energy we were spending on trying to like not feel that way where suddenly it's like, oh, it's okay that we feel that way. There's always a spaciousness for me on the other side of naming those parts where I can then tap into the resources that I wasn't tapping into before. And I think in conversations with other people, I see that. I see like their potential. I see how how much resources they could be tapping into. I see their stories. But then again, I also see the part of them that just doesn't want anything to change. That is just so comfortable where they are. And that's the part that we have to start with. <laughs> we have to start with acknowledging like parts of us don't want to change at all. And that's why we're here because we're comfortable to some degree. There's a safety in feeling under-resourced or feeling wherever we're at. And so this is permission to be okay with that part. And just if, if you're feeling that part within you right now, name it, acknowledge it a thousand times over every day until you feel like that part of you feels seen. And just, just be curious, maybe, maybe on the tail end of that, you feel energy to reach out and access the resources that you do have. That's really, <laughs> that's really beautiful. It's all landing for me so much. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just not letting that sink in because being a permission slip for people and the permission slip for yourself to just be that person who says, it's okay, it's okay. Because the more that we stay in that feeling of being, it's okay, it's okay, that's the way that we do move forward, right? And I feel like that's the reason why we, um, people who are also very much like us who can serve as mirrors and facilitators, when we see other people's potential, the tendency is to want to save them from, from their victimhood and wanting to let them rise up and go, oh, but I see you and this is what you can do. But most of the time, what they really, really need is just for someone to support them where they are and to tell them that what they're going through is okay, to hold really? that space. Totally, yeah. Um, I have a, I have one song that I'm writing and it's called, it's okay. 
<laughs> and it's just all about like whatever you're feeling it's okay oh that's so nice yeah. I didn't know you write songs I only knew that you sing and you have a beautiful voice by the way oh thank you thank you I've I've dabbled in songwriting so this is like not something that I it comes intuitively so I'm just kind of sitting on it because mm-hmm. it's, it's coming to me and it's it wants to be written it's not written yet Mm, I love that. I'd love to hear it when it first comes out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll be posting. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I was actually listening to this part of your podcast, and something that I remember is that you were also an artist. Uh, you're also you're an artist who used to sell your art on Etsy. Do you still do that? Or I, just like, I, I don't. Yeah, that was kind yeah, of a launching point for me where when I started connecting to my inner child, she was asking me to paint. And so I started painting and I started mm-hmm. making wall hangings and started selling those on Etsy. And, and that was interesting because I was still new to having a presence on the internet and I was new to charging money for anything I created, anything associating with me on the internet. And so when people were purchasing my pieces, that started to deconstruct and destroy this sense of like, nobody wants what I have. Um, and it started to spark this sense of people are willing to pay for things that I create. And, and that really launched my, my will into what I'm doing now, right. Which is private work and group work and breath work and, and, and leaving, quitting a stable job to do it full time back in 20, I think 18, end of 2018 is when I, when I first like flew, flew that nest. (laughs) But now I just do it for pleasure. Just do it for fun. I love that. I really do. I feel like as artists, one of the best things that the world can give us is that, you know, we say we don't need it, but actually we do. Part of us still needs that validation that, mm-hmm. hey, we love your work. Your work is amazing because yeah. then it inspires you to create more of it and just right. pour it, that out into other aspects of your life. Like right now, I still see you creating and it's just not art anymore, but it's also in your work and yes. in your podcasts. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. everything so I do everything is art. It's just art. not it's like what I was selling on Etsy, you know, like photography and poetry and singing, all of that is art. Um, I believe it's just, yeah, it's just funneled into a different channel, funneled into a different offering. So the Etsy page isn't up right now, but yeah, I mean, I am still doing art. That's beautiful. And I can kind of tell, um, I feel like creative people have this sort of vibe to them. It's just, you can't hide it. If you're an artist, it's like it flows out from you, this energy. (laughs) Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of embodied, like when my podcast is called The Art of Aliveness, and and I feel Mm -hmm. like anytime we're expressing ourselves, expressing energy, there's an element of of art to that and an Mm -hmm. element of creative expression. Um, Mm -hmm. So I feel like art is just interwoven into the the process I take myself and my clients through. You can't can't divorce the two. Yeah, they need each other. I love that. That's beautiful. Oh, wow. I'm feeling so many things sink in right now. And just this lightness that you have, like interacting with you creates this light space where I feel like I'm just floating a little but not really like ascending more like just being light as a human and being in playful mode yeah (laughs) um I would love to know what are the things that are there any things or rituals that you do every day to cultivate that sense of play into your life beautiful question it's so ironic because I'm like a Capricorn son and so you'd think I'd have structure but I don't um but I'd say the things that I do do consistently are moving my body so whether it's through stretching or walking or roller skating or dancing um, I'm usually moving my body throughout the day I don't do it like I don't sit down in the morning and do like a thing but it's just more of a I'm just constantly kind of checking in with myself throughout the day. Like, do I need to adjust here or there? Like, do I need to make a weird noise right now? Do I need to make a weird face? So a lot of the work that I bring, uh, like kind of the essence of my work is that it's more of a lifestyle piece and it is like a box that you check in the morning. Because for me, the boxes I was checking in the morning 
when I was doing ritual were just really aggravating my inner perfectionist. And I just, I found that that wasn't working for me where for some people it really does. It just doesn't for me. Yeah. So a lot of what I do is just kind of woven throughout the day. I'm like, Oh, am I singing today? Like, did I, did Mm -hmm. I warm up my voice a little bit? Like, even as I'm having a conversation with you, sometimes I dip in and out of making a weird voice or like making a weird face and like all of that, (laughs) just like micro adjustments that kind of add up to create the sensation of, Hey, I'm in my body. Hey, I can play. It's mm-hmm. safe to be here. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is so just little body check-ins, little micro adjustments throughout the day. I love that. Was there ever a time in your life where you felt like you were really um, tuned into your body and its sensations? And how did you, how did you go from that time to where you are right now? Uh, was the question, was there a time where I felt like I wasn't connected? Yeah. Where you weren't, you didn't even know how it felt to have all those sensations. Yeah. And now you're here in embodiment of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I Um, was very disconnected from my body for quite some time. Or I was like obsessed over it where it was like an unhealthy connection where I was just like micromanaging my food or micromanaging my exercise. Um, I'm trying to feel into the moments where it really started to, I I, honestly, I feel like it really started to change once I started doing embodiment work with like screaming and singing and dancing and, and all of that was maybe six years ago, I want to say five or six years ago. Um, and that's when I started to, I stopped like obsessing over my diet. I stopped obsessing over my like working out regime. And, and then my, my, interestingly enough, my weight just like, like started to plateau, like it came off and it stayed off and I really didn't do anything intentional to like work on it. It was just, my body was kind of maintaining a, what, what felt like a healthy state for my body without much effort. Cause I feel like I shed a lot of emotional, um, that I was holding in my body and so the more I started to do that totally yeah the more I started to connect um but I feel like there was something with dancing like I was really into dancing for for quite some time and I'm trying to remember like what lit that spark it was probably like 2018 that I really started oh my gosh I remember now okay um again the same membership that I was a part of early 2016, they were doing a challenge, like a seven days of soul challenge. And one of the days was like, dance your ass off. And I danced and I posted it on social media and people loved it. They were like, Oh my God, I love seeing that. Like you just like bopping around. And so it was like that you were saying with the artist in the validation, I was like, Oh, well, this is fun for me and people like to watch it. So I started posting more dancing videos online. And that kind of kept me accountable to being in my body and to dancing more. And that really sparked a a deeper connection with, with my body because I started to explore movement and shape and things I'd never really explored. I always wanted to be a dancer, like in a parallel universe. I am like a professional dancer. You are a dancer. (laughs) I am a dancer. Yes. I I feel like there's a part of me that wants to like throw my legs up and spin around and like my body just doesn't have the training for it, you know? So I feel like I'm a dancer and I like, I can feel how much more I want to do with my, my body. I just don't have the training for it yet though. I'm still so young. (laughs) So, but that was it. That was it. It was, it was the invitation to dance and then receiving the validation and then just maintaining that and and allowing it to now it's a practice I do occasionally when I feel like I need to let my primal self out. It's interesting how so many people always say it's movement and dancing that allowed them to center in on who they are, just allow them to embody who they are. And, um, it, it really helps because I, I do remember uh, when I was a kid and up until I was 14 or 15 in high school, I danced all sorts of stuff from ballet to hip hop. And I was just, when you're a kid and you're just moving your body, everything feels so light. And I've always wanted to go back to that, you know, where we're just really in the body, in the zone, because kids don't have any trouble with thinking about the past or the future they're staying in the present moment all the time yeah so 
I love how you said that because I feel like it's a good reminder for people that movement is really the way to connect to themselves, to their bodies, to their emotions. Absolutely. I saw this meme or something. It was just saying like, it's really a shame that we've kind of commodified like things that are innate to our thriving, like singing and dancing. Like we've made it things that you have to be good at now versus just something you do for your well-being like that's always been done across if you look at all indigenous tribes there's always some tradition of singing and dancing and it's just kind of baked into the baked into the nature of the, of the tribe and now it's things that you know we put our kids into classes for and like that people need to be really good at instead of just like doing it to do it right right there's that milestone that has to be achieved or something a title that you earn as a dancer to be able to dance which is ridiculous oh exactly if we're all dancers we're all singers yeah I truly truly believe that (sighs) I love this conversation. It's really lighting me up. <laughs> Yay, me too. Me too. <laughs> um, there was one question in my mind that I feel like it's going to come back soon. But for now, I'll look at the list I actually prepared. I, ha- I haven't looked at it once. <laughs> <laughs> love it. While we were talking. <laughs> um, hmm. Is there a lesson that's been your favorite for the last six months? Something that's coming back to you over and over? Yeah, there's two. two. Um, And these are like, like, I think my life lessons, lessons. they are create space. space. So it's important to like, anytime I'm feeling really like locked up, it's time to create some space. So give myself some time to just tune in and, and either give away some physical things or shed some literal energy from my system with screaming, crying, talking to myself. Um, and the other one is, is just like not taking myself so seriously and just being weird and finding, finding the irony, like choosing to see the irony, choosing to see the silliness, choosing to see the drama in how I'm behaving. And when I can do those two things, when I can create space and when I can choose to see the humor in a moment, I'm good. Like I'm so solid. <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. Create space. I'm just, I'm sitting with that right now. Yeah. I love the spaciousness. I feel like, I feel like that's also the effect of listening to your podcast lately, where it's just for the last six months after we met and had our first conversation on Zoom, I was listening to a couple of episodes about how we create space and boundaries around our lives. And it really serves us because it's in the in-betweens and the process of our growth and journey that allows us to keep moving and to move fast and to gain momentum. So I think without even talking about it, you are a true embodiment of that. (laughs) Thank you for seeing that. Appreciate that. You're welcome. I remember the question. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So a lot of the listeners on my podcast are truly amazing leaders. They are entrepreneurs, they are facilitators, they're students. There's no limit to the people who are actually listening because I feel like they have one goal in common and it's to expand themselves, to create more alignment in their lives. But I think one misconception about going after your dreams is having to build an empire. So I was wondering, what are your thoughts on building an empire, building an empire, quote unquote, and have you ever wanted to build one or did you always know that you were going to flow freely? Yeah. Great question. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely definitely have never been interested in building an empire. Um, That's just not my, not my constitution, not my desire. I actually am a very private person. I like to have a lot of space in my life. I'm not interested in leading a large team of people. Um, I'm not interested in managing a lot of things because uh, I find the more I have to manage, the less I can manage myself. <laughs> so for me, that's a personal decision, just knowing how I work and, and how I thrive. My philosophy there is whenever I'm tending to my aliveness, I am making, I'm in my purpose and I'm making the biggest impact I could ever imagine to make. 
And so that might be, that might be coaching somebody who's building an empire and supporting them and doing that effectively. And that's how I build my empires as I am a link in that chain. I'm a part of the web of empire building, but I don't have to be the one that's doing the direct building. Um, and I'm, I'm totally at peace with that. It feels so grounded. It feels so true for me. So so, I mean, all that to say, you don't have to build an empire to be successful. For me, the idea is like whatever fuels your aliveness is what you're meant to be doing. And so depth over distance and quality over quantity is the kind of the space that I play in. So just checking, like, what is your motivation for building an empire? Does it feel, do you feel most alive when you consider that? And, and if you are feeling stressed out, where do you need to delegate? You know, where, where what needs to go in order for you to build this in a way where there isn't burnout, where you're not destroying yourself in the process. Uh, Cause it's very easy to martyr yourself along the way. So yeah, there's no shoulds or shouldn'ts when it comes to um, service. You know, whether your dreams are, are to impact a, a million people or, or, you know, 10 a year, <laughs> it doesn't matter because those 10 will go on to impact another 10 and then another 10 and then another 10. So like not worrying about measuring numbers is that's kind of where I sit is just trusting if you're doing your part, staying in your heart, staying in your aliveness, you're doing your part and it's more than enough. That's beautiful. It's always so, it's interesting and really it makes a lot of sense to me because you're someone who's so in flow and just, you don't really, um, you're not into the structure, the numbers. And I love that. I feel like so many people right now would want to hear that side of, of not caring about the numbers because nowadays everybody does care about the number of followers, yeah. listeners, the insights, yeah. right? Yeah. So. So how do you, for, for you, what is your perception on, on flow and just what's the benefit, what's the advantage of being on that other side? Well, well, <laughs> well-being. well-being. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that I like, you know, again, very much a Capricorn here. I do, you know, I do appreciate mm-hmm. and use structure in my life and in my business, Um, But I feel like the energy that I'm coming from is the most important thing. So for me, um, yeah, the benefit is aliveness. Like aliveness for me, and just to provide some context, it's the flow of life force through the body. So the more life force can move through my body, the more alive I feel. And life force can be any emotion that's up for me at, at the time. So the more I'm feeling my feelings, the more alive I feel. And I think that's what draws you to me. And as you said in the beginning, it's like, there's not a persona I'm putting on. Like my, my life is my brand. Like my whole being is my brand. And so because I've taken all the pressure of like looking a certain way off of me or like achieving a certain amount of things off of me, I'm free. I'm just free to live my life and be exactly who I am. And that pulls in like the most quality people to, to play with, to work with, to dance with. Um, and so there's a deep sense of like, for me being in flow, like I attract a lot of alignment. I, I attract aligned clients. I attract money. Like I'm not struggling in that respect. Um, so it, yeah, for me, it is that difference of, of depth over distance. I've, I've always been about depth. It's like, I'd rather have 10 followers that are like obsessed with what I'm saying and like share my shit than like a hundred followers. Right now. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, we can take the pressure. It's very, there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's just like, is it serving you or is it hurting you? (laughs) That's it. This is so refreshing. Mm. Honestly, it's true. It's true. I feel like one thing that really, that's so magnetic about you and your presence is because you're not hiding behind a persona. You're not trying it's not it's you don't feel anything apart from the authenticity and the wholeness of who you are as a person which is for me because you know I come from a world where everyone is building something so it's natural for them to process themselves and to be onto different things and onto so many different energies it's difficult to find that person who who just has one energy one place where she's coming from and there's nothing to doubt there's nothing to question and it's just so supportive 
that's the word that I would say. That level of liberation is truly supportive if you're wanting to meet people, like you said, who are top-notch for quality, who are most aligned to who you are. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. I, I love hearing your reflections there. Yeah, it does feel important to share like there is still a shape shifting that occurs. Like for me, I like, I do like to play with different personas and energies. I feel like that's also the crux of my work is like being able to like kind of dip in and out of certain energies, right? Like I'm not always playful. Sometimes I'm really sexual, you know, and like, that's a whole other energy. All right. And sometimes I'm really fucking mad and that's a, the whole other scary energy. Right. And so there is a social filter I, I put on when I come into social media in the same way I wouldn't dump all my resentment onto my partner. I'm not going to dump all of my, my stuff onto social media, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to like show up and be like, I've achieved, you know, stability in my system. It's like, no, I still am a human being, you know, like I crack, I'm an asshole sometimes. Um, and that's all there, you know? And, uh, I, I never want anybody to, to pedestal me, you know, and feel like I have my shit together, which is like the last podcast I did. I was my most recent one talking about how much resistance I had in my body. And I had clients message me being like, thank you. Like you came off the pedestal I had you on. And I was like, thank God. Like, I don't want that because that's a, that's too much pressure. You know, like I, <laughs> I am humaning with the rest of you, you know? <laughs> so I just failed to say that make that quite clear <laughs> yeah exactly like it's like you see just how human you are because of the emotions the full the full spectrum of of who you are presenting yourself as like it's so dynamic and just really allowing I love that word <laughs> yeah um which leads me of course I feel like this is one of the last few questions I'll have to ask since this is the aligned podcast what is your definition of being aligned of being aligned Ooh. <sighs> okay so my definition of being aligned is being an allowance with all of my layers I feel like alignment like and when I say alignment I feel like alignment is just a sense of the next step a sense of I'm an integrity with um what is with my deepest truth and i can't get to my deepest truth until i allow all the other layers of me like all the fear all of the ego stuff to be named and so my definition of being aligned is being in communication and connection with all the different layers of who is coming up for attention in my system tending to them without ignoring them and then checking in what do I need to hear right now what do I need to remember right now in the space that I create when I check in um and then just trusting whatever that next nudge is or that that next uh you know word or sentence or affirmation is yeah so present being present with all the parts of myself that's the definition of being aligned for me <laughs> So beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. It's so timely too, because I think I was having a call with one of the groups that I work with, the community, and I was talking about how sometimes the next step isn't like a whole bunch of steps upward. There's no staircase. All it takes is like the nudge towards the next thing that would make sense to you and how aligned you are to it right absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's so yay this has been such an amazing conversation thank you for having I'm me so grateful yeah thank you chrissy is there anything else that's coming up for you a project that you would want to invite people on or your socials before we go Sure, sure. Yeah, my Instagram is at um, come alive with Chrissy. And my website is theartofaliveness.com as well as my podcast. So you can website podcast, same thing on Spotify, iTunes, you can check me out there if you want to learn more about my story. Um, I do do private work. So you can everything is on my website with the exception of one offering I have coming up. So I'll tell you about that. Um, private work is on my website. I have a course called spacious on my website. You can check that out. But I do have in the works uh, a three month group program. I haven't done group work in a while. So I'm excited for this. 
It's a three month group program called take yourself less seriously. And the whole, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, going to be end, end of August end to, of August to November. Too. And we're going to be doing a lot of deep diving around our relationship to perfectionism and seriousness uh, in the spirit in of the spirit restoring of our sense of humor and learning humor. how to bring play to our marketing and our self-expression and just a more natural, like silly, quirky, bringing that weird forward so that people yeah, can relate to us at that level. Um, and it's going to be a mix of emotional clearing work, energy clearing, somatics, games, and a lot of other fun stuff. And there's five, five spots available for that group. And the deposit is 555. So if you do want to be part of it, just send me a message or an email um, because it might fill up. That's, that's the thing. It's not on my website. I have no landing page. I'm just talking about it because it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So if you know, you know. <laughs> that's so exciting i'm so happy to have you today chrissy and i'm pretty sure that so many people would love this episode would love you and i would really recommend people if you feel the call to work with chrissy because she is such an activator is that it's is that a word <laughs> it is not <laughs> I can truly feel the transformation of the work that you have embodied. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of it, even in this space. I feel like we have created such a transformative space for people as well. And I'm very happy to have you, Chrissy. Thank mm. you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs>